the Revolution Church podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Good morning. It's just me today. It's really, really hot here. It's not supposed to get into 100 degrees in uh, Seattle. But I guess the, the globe is warming, maybe? I don't know. Um, as you can see, Caleb is not here today. And if you're wondering why, it is because... I'm sick. I woke up really sick yesterday and uh, had to take the kids out. We went to the splash pad and had fun, but I woke up. I couldn't really talk. I sounded crazy. So it took some DayQuil because you can't stop dadding. I had to uh, get my my life together. Oh, I'm tired. So yeah, kids are with mom this morning. Um... I'm feeling a little bit better. Dayquil, dayquilling, drinking. I drank a lot of water, and I am drinking some soda as well. Um, look, there's Caleb. So Caleb didn't want to get sick. That was my story. As um, I gave him the option, he had just been sick, so I figured he didn't want to get sick again. I flew out to LA uh, and was on the plane, and when I went to Seattle. When I got, I mean, that's where I am. But when I went to the airport, it was so crowded. It was insane. Um, I have not been around that many people since since this all COVID thing went down. Um, so yeah, it was really, really crazy. Um, Somebody just asked to be on the show, but it wasn't Caleb, so I think it was Chris. Chris, you requested to be on the on here, but I'm not putting anybody on until the end. <laughs> and we're going to try to do the meet your congregation at the end with Caleb. So, see if that works. Um, yeah, so Caleb's up back at his place, and I'm here, and I'm sick. And it's 100 degrees outside in Seattle. And when I moved to Seattle, I was like, oh, do you guys have window units and stuff like that? And they're like, oh, no, there's no need for for uh, for uh, air conditionings in Seattle. And guess what? We need air conditioning in Seattle. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope it's not COVID. I got the shot. I got the one and done. Maybe it's because I got Johnson & Johnson. Maybe that one's not as good. But I hope I don't have COVID. Um, I don't think I do. Um, but I guess you can still get it, and it's just a calmer version. I don't know. Anyhow. <laughs> That's okay, Chris. We all... That, that button gets hit all the time on accident. I just hope I don't turn your camera on when I turn on... Caleb. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, so that's what's going on. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I did see the um, 
the documentary. I did see the movie. Um, not sure how much I'm going to talk about it right now. Uh, it's. I'll just say this is it was very humanizing, and that I appreciated that. Um, it was humanizing to my father as well, which I really appreciate because I think uh, people have a hard time doing that as well, you know, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today about humanizing people. But um, so I appreciated that. You know, it's it wasn't perfect, but I also had to remember it's like a two-hour movie of two people's lives thrown in there and focusing on my mom and not my dad. Um, somehow I ended up on the editing room floor, so I'm just a baby in the movie. And I'm five years younger in the movie because that may be being born in 1980 rather than 1975. So I'll take that. So I'm 40 now. Lordy, lordy, I'm 40. Um, so that's good. But yeah, so there's 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 a little bit. But I, I, um, I'll talk a little bit more about it later. It's just a lot to take in, a lot to think about. And... Uh, and it's definitely trudged up some old stuff. I, I put some some stuff about Instagram talking about the film, and uh, mostly, I mean, ninety nine percent of the people have been really nice. You know, you always get a couple people who are like, "They were charlatans," or "They were," this. and I love it that they're giving the comments based on something they haven't seen yet. Um, another one, another person like went off on me, and I didn't say the movie redeemed them or made anybody better. I just said it humanized them, and it's funny like people want to disagree with people being human. Um, sometimes we we miss the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest, one or the other, but we do and um, that's that's too bad, I mean that's been my life, so hopefully people will see this and see have a little bit more of empathy for people, not just my parents you know, but for human beings in situations and realizing that we're all human beings and some of us are thrown into extremely crazy situations um, sometimes you get what you want and what you're trying to, and sometimes you even get more than that. And then you have to realize that you have to deal with that on life's terms. And that's a tough one. Um, getting what you want or getting more than what you want and learning to, to, uh, live through that and, um, definitely check, check, you know, tests all your, your facilities, <laughs> Sorry, I keep dra 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 dragging off. I'm a Dayquil always makes. Well, I took Nyquil last night, and so that I drank a whole cup of coffee, and it just didn't even hit me. Like I just really sensitive to Nyquil, and then I took a Dayquil, so it's got me kind of a little like. Dreary. We'll try to get through this. Um, so today, I was thinking about the other day. I was I was sitting there, and someone had mentioned that. That old uh, the phrase, "Love the sinner, hate the sin," and um, and talking about how much they hate that saying, and I was thinking about it too, and and we were just having a chat about it, and for a particular person who kind of lived their life like that, and and so I, I, I for some reason I, I like got into this mode of just thinking about the saying and that's what I do I like to just like dissect things every now and then when I can't sleep so 
That's what I did, is I dissected it. And um, are, are you guys familiar with love the sinner, hate the sin? Um, people hate this saying. And I, I think the reason is we're given a lot of history behind the saying as well um, of love the sinner, hate the sin, is I think it really came out of from well-meaning evangelicals uh, probably in the 80s. I mean, it might have been around before then, but I think it came out and really became strong in the 80s because of all the LGBTQ folks that were coming out, all the gay folks who were coming out. And um, and so the evangelicals were like, love the sinner, hate the sin, you know, because they wanted to be like, oh, no, we're still compassionate people. We just don't like your sex. We don't like what you do. You know, I mean, that's pretty much what they were trying to say. And obviously that didn't work. And obviously I don't feel that way. Um, I didn't think it was a sin. And that's one thing is that often our concepts and ideals of what sin is, I mean, I guarantee you if we said, what is sin? And everybody would fill out a little thing. Everybody would probably fill out something different. For me, sin is, I think, whatever you try to fill the lack with rather than living with the lack, whatever you try to find completeness in. So that can be anything. It can be money, sex, drugs, uh, fame, shopping. You know, it's whenever it tries, you know, capitalism is, it seems to be really good at making that void filling thing important um, promises to bring us eternal happiness or somewhat happiness if we if we shop more um, but so as I thought about oh it was in the 70s uh, Steve said he, he was a 70s campaign against LGBTQ rights Ania Bryant said it in the 70s okay so love the sinner hate the sin now, I don't do anything normal in this world, so I, I started to think about this saying and thought, how, oh, 1976, so this saying is, is almost as old as me. Um, but people hate the saying, and why do they hate it? Because it doesn't work. You know, no one does it. It just doesn't happen, you know. Um, plus, it, it, it bleeds through. Um, often when people say, oh, no, no, you know, like, you know, I asked churches if they were gay affirming, then people would be like, we're people affirming, you know, like, so that usually means, no, we're not gay affirming. <laughs> um, and I think when you've had something like that used against you your whole life, it becomes a sticking subject. But I want us to really dissect it and see if it maybe is something that we can find something good in it. If we can find a deeper meaning within that saying that we've talked about so much. And here's the funny thing is this is why I decided to talk about it is because most of my liberal friends and my fellow leftists don't like this saying um, because they, they think like, oh, that's pathetic. You just got to love everybody and blah, blah. But I think we on the left as well make the mistake and we don't even do it. And I think one of the reasons this saying is so weird and so controversial is because, and so kind of like, ugh, wah, wah, nobody can do it. And I would say not even progressives do it, nor conservatives do it. 
And so it's this weird saying that's kind of built up within like this type of hypocrisy into it. Because the fear is, with the word sometimes, is that hating the sin is going to go into hating the person. But that fear of that is already realized. It's realized in everything we do, and we can see it on how people speak, how people treat each other, and how others talk to each other. So it's like people grasp their pearls and go, oh, my Lord, that saying is awful. You know, well, yeah, it's awful. And the reason you think it's so awful is because you do it, because you don't do it. You don't even know how to do it. We don't do it. We don't practice it. So think about this. Um, and a lot of people say yes because it's worth, we don't know how to separate the two from you know this action from the human. Um, and also, um, it shows you how powerful the, the emotion and the feeling of hate can really be. That hate is is you know just goes crazy. So when we start hating people, it can kind of crazy. And this is, I guess, where Star Wars, where the Jedi and Star Wars got it right, is that there's like, don't hate. Hate leads to suffering, and suffering leads to the dark side, or whatever, you know? And and so you get this fear leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering, and suffering, you know, so you lead to the dark side. And so hate is something that really blurs lines. It doesn't... It's hard to hate a system you know, like a corporate, I hate that corporation, you know, but it's hard to separate that corporation from the people in the corporation, the people who run the corporation, um, the, the parts of the device, you see. Um, so obviously it became obvious that this thing doesn't work, but I, I want to say that even the people who think sometimes take the higher ground, some of us who say, Oh, I just love everybody. I, I remember a friend of mine said, you know, love the sinner and focus on your own damn sin. Now, words like sin, I mean, Tillich talked about words like sin and forgiveness and grace. Those are all really strange words. You know, for a lot of us who grew up in the church, we're used to hearing it. But it's really weird. And that's why I kind of like sin is anything that's trying to fill the lack. You know, I, I don't even think sin. I think for me, sin is something that's not a list of any. There's not a list of sins. There is not, you know, you know, sin is in the eyes of the beholder. I think I tweeted that years ago. Sin is in the eyes of the beholder. And what that can be, because I think it can happen to any of us. Um, like I said, that need to feel complete. Um, so here's my question. But what if it did? What if that term actually worked? What would that look like? Um, let's think on that for a second. What if it did? And this is why I'm asking. I'm doing short today just because I'm medicated and tired and took everything just to rest my voice to get talk normal to you guys today. Um, and this is how I want to look at it. <laughs> Sorry. I just made a list of different things I thought about. And racism was the first one I put up there. So, because this is what made me think about it, is because I started thinking about Dr. King and his work. It started to come into my mind. And how he would say, you know, it's people aren't the enemy, misinformation is. And so in a way, this type of misinformation that, that 
kind of fills this, gives you this place of like, oh, I'm different than them. I'm better than them or whatever. You know, this kind of misinformation gets in your head and kind of gives you some sort of feeling of, of superiority or, or, you know, definitely superiority and, and makes you feel better about yourself, um, which racism does to people. Um, but what if you said love the racist, not the racism? And when I say that is when we see human beings, and there was a, a really good writer, and I wish I could remember his name. He, he had a whole ministry towards people in the clan. Like his thing was to reach them and love them and, and, and hopefully see them change. Um, but what if we said love the racist, you know, hate racism? Because everybody, I think, can agree hates racism. But if you notice that when we see racist human beings, it's hard not to feel hate towards them. That's why we don't like being called racist, you know? That's why we even like when people are like, oh, you're just white privilege. You're like, oh my God, I've got to look at this. Oh my God, there's racism in my life. I mean, we all have different types of racism that we deal with and ideals and thoughts, even if it's just little things that we deal with. But the idea is, is how do we love people caught in the midst of trying to fill a lack and separating them from the system? You know, how do we see the individual rather than the system. Um, politics is another great example. You know, it's like so many people are like, oh, if you're conservative, I'm not coming into your home anymore. But for me, it's like what makes a person a person isn't their political party. You know, it's who they are and who I know them to be. And so I can go in and say, oh, yeah, no, I totally disagree with your politics, and this is why I voted this way. And then, go, oh, well, I'm more of a fiscal conservative, and so I voted this way. And I'm like, well, you know, what's more important to me is this, this, and this, so obviously I'm better. And they're thinking, well, no, obviously, I'm, you know, everybody thinks they're better, which is great. But the point is, is you're able to sometimes come together and love the person um, and still disagree with their system that they prescribe to you know, the system that they follow. And even if it's huge things, like, you know, you're just like, oh, man, I think everybody has to have health care. Like, I don't have health care right now, you know. Um, but I don't hate people who think, well, I think you should just get a good job and work really hard and get health care. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, that's your opinion. I don't agree with it, but I don't hate you for that. Um, religion. You know, maybe you hate the religion, but you don't have to hate all the people in the religion. And I know this sounds crazy, but I just thought about, like, the reason we don't like this term is because it was used to harm people and it was used to, to support prejudice. But what I was thinking about it was, what if we just took it for literal meaning and really did it? If we literally said, I want to tear down the system, but I don't want to hurt the people. You know, what if we thought that way? Now, not only that, but if it says love the sinner, if we love people, then we're saying I want to go and talk to people involved in that system, communicate with them, even though I disagree with the system. Now, that's where change starts to happen. A lot of people that I went on the road with when we did the um, Soul Force tour, I really got a lot of mileage out of that Soul Force tour. It was really crazy. You know, but a lot of those people wasn't like, oh, well, I, Jay, you know, I just got in and I studied the scripture and I realized it wasn't there. You know, a lot of people I met were like, well, they, it was our child and we had kicked them out of the house and we saw their life falling apart and we just couldn't do it anymore. And, and love was more important than what we thought. And now, and now we've taken time to kind of look at the verses. And even if we don't agree with the verses, we love our kid 
more than that. You know what I'm saying? So it was that idea of love is what changed them. You know, um, not disagreeing with the system, but the love for that individual is what had the impact and the change on them. Now, I'm going to say you can look at this as a two-way street as well, because when we love people in a particular system and we meet with them and talk with them, there might be things that we realize about ourselves that we're confused. We might go, oh, you know, the system I've, I've, I'm a part of is kind of screwy, especially if it makes you feel this way. And you're my friend and you've shown me so much love. You've shown me so much grace. And I'm a part of a system that doesn't allow you to have any of that. And then a change happens. You know, I've had people love me out of theological beliefs before that I was like, oh, no, but, 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 you know, and they sit down and they, we share, we talk, and then they share their experience. Because experience, a lot of the times, trumps a lot of things for me, experience and strength and, and, and people's life through it and why it does things don't work and why they do work. So I don't think the Bible is an answer book. It's more of like a math book where you have to figure out the problems. Um, so for me, that, that became a living thing. So loving, loving people and not having to agree with the system is actually not a horrible idea. So the concept, I could see maybe like, this sounds really good. Um, I think the trouble part is a sin center and that it was pointed to a particular person. And when you point to someone and go, you're bad, what you believe is bad, what you do is bad, that's not going to build a really great relationship. So for me, you know, I try not walk through this life with having this chip on my shoulder. That's why we love to have people who are conservative and people who are liberal and people who are in the middle and people who are anarchists and people who are Christians and atheists and people who are other faiths and Latter-day Saints and Buddhists, you know, because we just, we're not, I'm not here to make a judgment call. I'm not even here to tear down your system. I'm here to understand your system. I'm here to be in a community because that's what we're called to do is to be in a community of, with people. And the funny thing is, is I would argue that LGBTQ folks have become better and probably because of so much hell they've been through in their life at loving the sinner and hating the sin. I mean, that example was very clear when I was working with Soul Force, is that we're going into a place of people who claim to be Christians who do not love us, do not care about us, speak down to us, and treat us with disrespect. And we are going to go in there and show them respect and love and encourage them and ask them to love us and love the people in their community more. And so for me, it was like, yeah, we're going in to dismantle a system of discrimination, but in order to dismantle this this, this, this discrimination, this system, we must go in with love. Love is the most powerful tool we have. We've got to go in with no weapons, just go in with love and grace, listening and willing to speak the truth. And not thinking disagreement is the end of the world. Disagreement is good, especially if you can disagree well. And you grow from disagreement. You grow from hard times. You grow from strength. So I would argue that it wasn't conservative evangelicals saying, love the sinner, hate the sin. They, I think they screwed that up big time. They don't see like having a relationship with someone and being in a marriage with someone, being in a bond and being part of a community and hating someone's community, how that's heterosexist, that it's not really, you know, and they couldn't separate people. They don't realize how much that's a part of us and who we are and what we are and what that means. Sorry to put me in there, but I feel part of that community even though I'm straight. So... 
um, because they loved my mother so much. When my mother was like, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, she, she never got onto the gay marriage thing. But if the biggest support group of my mom were gay people and people of color who supported my mom the most, you know. And what I loved about that was is they could say, well, you know, even Tammy's not 100%. She's still an icon to us. We still love her. It doesn't have to be 100%. Do I think she would have come to 100%? I really hope so. I think so. But she was afraid of what Christians do. That's what she was afraid when I told her I was going to take a stand. So my argument would be is that I think this there is a way to love here. I think there might be a secret to this if we dissect it. Um, the police, another thing there. As you know, this past couple of years with George Floyd and everything, but I mean, way before that, you know, the police have been a hard thing. And, and there's that ACBA, all cops are bastards, I think is what it means. And when you say this system is bad, but I'm going to love a policeman, even though he's a police officer and part of the police system, I want to love these people individually. Not all cops are bad. You know, there are bad cops. And they're brought, a lot of times they're not even brought to our attention, but unfortunately, not all of them are bad. You see what I'm saying? It's like the system, the system is broken. And yes, there are broken people in that system, but how do we heal broken people? Only through a response of love, of saying, how do we heal these people? How do we give them the proper tools? How do we teach them? You know, if you're saying, here's a bunch of army stuff to kill people, you know, and that's all you get, I mean, what do you think you're supposed to do? Well, I've got a tank and I've got guns and all this stuff, and so what is my job? To drive this tank and to use these guns, you know? Um, the problem is, is we don't always equip people correctly in these systems where we go, no, your most important job is compassion and love. Um, realizing, like, this is going to cause split in families, this is going to cause trauma, this is going to cause these types of things. So, here we go. Um, corporate systems, corporations, um, televangelists, you know, oh, those televangelists. I mean, I see that all the time, man. I mean, I see people scapegoating televangelists and pastors all the time. And I guess I recognize it because I'm a pastor and technically right now I'm kind of a televangelist because I'm on this thing here. Um, but I see it because of my family background. So often when it's you who's being discriminated against or someone in your world, you definitely become more aware of it. That's why we go, you need to listen to people in the LGBTQ community. You need to listen to people of color. You need to sit down and hear their experience because they're clicked in because they can even read the sudden, the little hidden secret racist things, little secret hateful things. And it hurts. But the funny thing is I've got into these like really liberal groups where they're just tearing down televangelists or pastors and stuff. And I go, well, have you ever thought about this? I thought about this. And they literally said, you are not welcomed here and you are adding nothing to it. And I kind of like the irony there because it pushes me to be more inclusive. It pushes me to love people more. It also pushes me to go like, oh, there's another system that needs to change. Because they've got a lot of hypocrisy in that system and they don't even see it. So we need to say, hey, guys, you've got a lot of hypocrisy here. You know, we need either to tear the system down or we need to change the system, but the, something's wrong with the system and it doesn't, I don't like this system because I don't have a place in the system. This system is, is not allowing me to be there because somehow my family's sin or my job or my life is somehow worse than yours. You know, like I, I wrote the other day, uh, sinners in the hands of angry sinners, you know, it's like, 
it's like we all fall short. We all have lack. We all try to fill that lack with different things, you know. And it's just funny how we can't, we lose empathy for one another. You know, so I think this idea of love the sinner, hate the sin is saying we have empathy because we're all sinners. Love each other and hate the things that they hate the things that aren't really completing them. Hate the things that are destructive to them and destructive to others. You know, that's what it's saying. It's the system. Sin here could be seen as the system. So what it's saying is hate the system, but not the people. So don't, you know, don't hate Republicans people. You can hate the Republican platform. You can hate the politics. Don't hate the Democrat people. I don't like the Democrats either. To be honest with you right now, it's not very comfortable. Both parties make me really uncomfortable, but I have tons of friends who are Democrats and Republicans, and I'm able to love them and not agree with their system. The system I want does not exist in the American system, and half those people would, maybe more than half of those people actually, would, would, would say, Jay, you're insane. And you're going to make America horrible, so get out of here. You know, you're a communist or say something like that and, and, and stuff like that. But that's fine. You can have those conversations. Um, so, I love when I can't take my notes. I had another person written down that people hate, but there's a lot of different people, a lot of different people in communities. But I just like to reframe things and I like to think differently because I think we can find truth in it. I think we can find the intentions behind it. Like maybe the intentions behind this were systems, you know? And even sometimes you're going to have people say, I love you, but I disagree with your system. But if they love me, they're going to sit down with me and talk to me about my system, about my denomination, about my my choices I've made in life, about my religion, about these things, rather than just... Because I, I, I remember one time I was at a party when I was here in Seattle years ago, and someone was like, yeah, I used to believe in that shit, and I don't believe in it anymore. I think you guys are full of crap, and I'm happier than I've ever been. But he was comparing me to Mark Driscoll, and our systems are completely different. And I said, well, what was it? Where did you go? And I'm like, well, man, I don't agree with majority of what that guy talks about. You know, I'd be glad to sit down tell you what I believe and what I think, you know, I'm pretty happy with my life, you know, and, uh, you know, he wasn't having it. But the point was, is that, that I feel like he had a right to not like my system because my system was kind of related to this other system. And we're just kind of all put into one pile, which we do as humans. We just go, those people and those people, those people, I get that it's human nature, but I could also explain the complexity of the system. You know, it's like, you know, two different two different iPhones, funny, two different cell phone companies, you know what I mean? Brands or things like that. You know, there's, there's differences, there's uniquenesses, there's certain things that are great and certain things that suck. Um, so I'm just reframing this because I thought it might be an interesting way for a lot of us to walk through life and think about when we see the people. One of the examples I thought of was a, a watch. And let's say, you know, I hate watches. It reminds me of death. Every time I look at a watch, you know, it reminds me of the time I don't have with my loved ones or the length of how much longer I have at work. So I don't like watches, you know. And so someone is sitting there and they're bringing out a spring. And goes, I hate springs. Well, why do you hate springs? I mean, they just bounce. You know, they're pretty cool. You can make slinkies that aren't really super springy, but they get out of the thing. You can jump really high with springs. You know, your car 
need springs for 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 the bounciness in the car. <laughs> See, that's what a man I am. I don't even know. I can't even say what what that's for. I know the word, but I can't think of it. Um, but the idea is like, oh no, I hate springs. Oh, oh, have you seen my new ring? I got this. Look at this jewel in this ring. Oh, I don't like jewels either. Well, you don't like jewels. You don't like springs. What's the? Good? They're all in watches. I don't like any of the things that are made into watches. I hate watches, and I hate any of the the parts in watches. I don't like dials. I don't, you know, I don't like those things. I don't like the mechanisms. Any mechanism, it must be evil. You see what I'm saying? Like, if we focus on a spring as a spring, yeah, a spring's a part of a watch, but a spring's a part of a million other things in our lives. And it's when we're able to see people who might be a part of a machinery, we realize that they might have different purposes. They serve different purposes in their lives. I will show you people who showed me more grace and more love and more compassion who are conservatives than I will could, I, than some of the people who are the most bleeding heart liberals who are like, oh, no, I love, I love everybody, you know. But in their actions, I can show you the difference. I can show you who gave me a house and who didn't, who gave me a place to live when I had nothing and who didn't. And that also gives you an idea that you can't just say everybody in this particular system is the same in this system. We've got to see the individual. And I think the very fear of love the sin or hate the sin was that it robs people of their humanity and why we don't say that word and why we don't use that. So what it's calling us to, what this miscommunication is, what this little funny, silly saying is, is calling us to remember why it's fault, why it doesn't work. And next time you hear it, I want you to think, I've got to love human beings. I have got to love individuals. Next time you hear love the sinner, hate the sin, you think, I'm going to love the person who said that. I don't like that they said it. I don't like the word. But you know what? They're different. They're the individual. They're not the system. You know? I mean, I'm part of a system that I barely believe in. I'm, you know, that's why we're calling it revolution gathering and not church right now, because I'm just kind of like, ugh, I don't like being called a pastor because I'm just like, I don't, there's not really a lot of pastors alive right now that are not treating each other like hell. So I've just stepped back, still in the system, but I've had to step back a little bit. I hope this makes sense. And I, I know I'm going on about it and it's kind of silly. I have silly talk. I'm not using the Bible or anything today, but I was sick, and this is what I've been thinking about. Um, I just, I hope one of those things that does is it makes us realize how much little grace we have for humanity and how willing we are to allow certain people to be vilified and then call that same thing when it happens to others abuse. You know, how our compassion is often put in within categories that doesn't allow us to serve compassion to everyone who deserves compassion, which is all of humanity. So when I say, you know, love a racist, hate racism, I mean, I really mean it. When I say hate, you know, hate heterosexism, but love a heterosexist, which some people call homophobics, but that word, I don't think they're scared. I think they're supremacists. When I say that, I mean it because that's how people change. That's how I changed. I changed because, you know, Randy, who pastors Open Door Community Church, was speaking for me on the phone and would listen to me talk and hear my questions and answer my questions. And sometimes it was just me just talking. For hours on my phone, I would pace and just talk to Randy about it and work the ins and outs. I knew inside what was right. But I also had, I was, I have a theological mind that was like, well, what about the theology and what about this? But he answered the questions 
And what he allowed me to realize is, yeah, it's going to cost me a lot, but it's way worth this. This worth this cost. I would even pay twice as more if I had to to follow my conviction on this. But it's because Randy took a time with me when I was going, like, I don't know. I don't know about you and your husband's relationship if it's good or bad. You know, I mean, damn, that's kind of cold. You know? But Randy listened to me. He had conversations with me. And what did he say? Now I speak every year at Open Door Community Church. You know, Randy and Gary are like my dads. They're closer to me than my own father right now at this point in my life. You know, on Father's Day, I was like, happy birthday with you guys. You're like my, it's like double Father's Day. You know, because they took time, because yes, they hated homophobia. Yes, they hated being fired from the church. Yes, they hated the way they, they were treated and that their loved ones were treated. But not enough to hate people. Not enough to help hate people in the system. What they, what, what Randy wanted to see, Randy McCain wanted to see was change. And what did he get for me? Change. And that guy has changed every person I've met. Boom, 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 boom. But not through saying, I hate you, or you're a piece of shit, or you're a judgmental bastard, but by going down, sitting down, listening, and having a conversation, and seeing and recognizing the shared humanity. That's why Tillich, I mean, not Tillich, um... Hegel says, when two people come together face to face, even if it's literally a physical fight, there is a recognition, a recognize, you recognize, yes, you recognize one another's humanity. Even through that, there's something, a moment of grace that is instilled, even in the moment of conflict, when you stand face to face with another human being, is there is, this is a human being. And I think it's interesting because I think we don't think of all the things our eyes see, like, you know, you see this as a person, and maybe they're well-built, and that you can tell they work out, you know, or uh, maybe they've lost their hair early, or maybe, you know, they like certain type of jewelry. You can almost see what kind of music they listen to. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, you're like, you know, or you can see that they don't really care about what kind of music they listen to, you know, or they listen to Top 40 or whatever, you know, or by what kind of car. All of a sudden, all the humanity, our brain is we don't see it because we're focused and we're angry on one thing and we're about to fight each other but we're recognizing all these different lists we're like the terminators like all these different things we're even seeing what we might have in common with this person you know maybe you're about to fight somebody and they're wearing a raiders t-shirt or a sex pistol shirt i'm like man i really love the sex pistols you know but i'm gonna beat this guy's ass you know the point is, is there's a a mutual recognition of humanity and even joy of like, oh, he's got a good taste in music, man. Too bad I'm going to have to lay him out. And you're not even thinking that, but your brain's going, it's recognizing shared humanity. I think that's why we can be so mean on social media is because we don't have that connection. You know, the little picture in the corner is barely big enough to even see what anybody looks like, you know? And um, so we often miss that humanity and that connection. That's why we can just criticize everybody and drop a little turd and then fly off, you know? Um, I'm just... So we've got to stop confusing the system for the people or the parts of the watch as the watch. Um, and really do our work to find the person. And what I like to do is use these little word associations for us to grow. You know, so when we hear someone say, oh, love the sin or hate the sin, we can automatically think humanity or someone who says they hate that. And we can also think like, yeah, I hate it, too. But you know what? Now, when I hear it, what I think about is the individual. I'm not going to get in sin and all this talk and blah, blah, blah. But what I'm going to think is that 
I love people and I want to tear down the system. You know, I love people and their system isn't what makes them people. It's not what makes them beautiful. Their humanity does. And I know this sounds super hippy dippy crap, but it is where I am and is what grace has taught me. Um, like I can honestly tell you, I don't like a lot of people. Um, but I love them. And people always say, well, you're such an introvert. How do you do your job? How do you meet with people? How do you talk to people? How do you do this? I'm like, well, yeah, people take energy from me. I, I get tired when I'm around other human beings. Um, but I love them, and I want to see them live life well. I want to see them get along with others in life. I love humanity, and I have a hope for humanity. Um, that seems almost impossible that we'll ever reach in my lifetime at least. But that hope takes this extremely introverted person. I mean, honestly, my therapist was talking to me recently and saying, like, I don't want you to end up dying by yourself because I'm so introverted, <laughs> you know? And it's this idea of, yeah, but I love people. I don't always like people and it's hard for me around people, but I love them. I love the potential we all have for greatness. You know, and that's why when people push back on me, I'm like, well, Jay, I'm really hurt and I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm always like, hey, check out therapy. Go to this. I did DBT. And the reason I tell them is, is because I'm like, you might be the person who has to create and develop a great bit of patience so you can go within this system and be the one who changes the system or destroys the system because of your love. Because you go in there and all of a sudden, you know, it's a different type of spring and it makes the watch worse or you, you know you create something new makes it better and I believe that um, so I guess I guess my end in here is 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 down with the system but love people and I heard um, John Lydon who you might know Johnny Rotten from Sex Pistols I heard him say that as well there's a guy who's that was conservative in, in the last election and I still look up to and, and find a lot of inspiration from his life and life experience and his words and the way he takes care of his wife uh, who's been really really sick these past few years so we can do this and we can take something that was probably came in with a good idea and then used to, to really discriminate and we can take that and in a way we can redeem that type of thinking. We don't have to have the saying. I'm not going to make a revolution shirt that says love the sin or hate the sin. But I'm saying is, is that we can revolutionize the thinking and take the original meaning or, or intent behind such an idea and say, oh, well, you're not doing it right, but you know, we've got a better way to make it work. We might change a word, a couple words here or there, but you're right. Individual, the individual is what's important. And us having conversations and arguing well and recognizing one another's humanity is vital to our work. And I think that's vital to the church's work. Um, I'm going to see if Caleb wants to get on here. I only see one, one request. So if um, I cleared it, so if Caleb wants to get on here, we'll do that and do a little afterglow. If I don't see a thing on there in a second, then I realize he can't get on there. But So if you have any questions or pushback, that would be great. Um, yeah.
so LA, uh, while we're waiting, I'll just say like, I got to spend a few days with Pete. I spent a few extra days in Los Angeles and um, it was really great to hang out with Pete, man. It's great because he's my best mate and uh, we got to meet with a lot of great people. We uh, work on different projects. We got to meet with some people who in ministry. We got to meet some people in the movie biz. Me and Pete and Helen are working on a documentary about my mother. Uh, and we're, we got to meet with some folks in the film industry there about what we're doing. Um, we signed to a company, but I haven't announced yet what, because I don't know. We're waiting for a few more things to kind of go through before we do that. Um, it's really weird, man. I, you know, I, I don't want my life to be all about just restoring my family. Um, because when I talk about my family and things like that, you know, that stuff, that trauma has already happened. We've already lived through that. Um, we've made our mistakes and laid in our bed. And it's funny because some people want us to lay in the bed a little bit longer, or almost want blood from a stone. Um, or want to use the past for a reason to judge my dad now. And I'm like, listen, my dad, who he is now, wasn't who he was then. But anyway, the point of, of looking back and saying, this is where we made mistakes. This is where others made mistakes. This is where we were misjudged is to hopefully make life better for others for each other. And that we might not always might realize that sometimes the news, when they release a breaking story, sometimes that breaking story is for ratings. You know, sometimes they just like, we have to get it first. And when you have to get it first, you don't always check the facts. And unfortunately, when you find out the facts are wrong, it's like lower in the website somewhere or in the back of the newspaper or something like that. Um, so the idea is, is to help people think critically. So when I use my story, um, it's to help others, you know, I would say it's to help people who are, who I would consider enemies even, you know, it's for us to like, look at people like Jerry Falwell Jr. And maybe see him as a human being and see it differently. Maybe go like, Oh, he's, he's a human being who grew up in the church as a wife and has some disassociated things and it doesn't kind of operate the same way. Or someone like Mark Driscoll or his kids are involved, you know, it's just different ways for us to think differently. Um, towards others, you know, and even good people, you know, and you never know, you could be next. Um, well, I, we're, we're, we're not having luck today and I'm not feeling great. So I'm just going to abandon ship. You know what? Maybe I'll scroll through and see if I've got anything here. Cause I just saw a lot of nice things. Um, Robert, Bob says, uh, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. And I assume that includes you. Yes. Uh, well, not me, but most people. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, Steve Peters says he loves the uh, how I reframe all of this. Thanks, Steve. I, I know I sometimes it's kind of like beating a dead horse, but I'm always even restoring weird sayings. Um, Steve says, I believe you're queer, Jay. You don't have to be LGBTQ to be queer. Well, there you go. What up? Um, I know I was called that a lot as a child, so um, it's a joke. Um, I remember when people started calling each other queer and I was like, couldn't say it. And I had this lesbian friend of mine. She's like, just say it, just say it, just say it. And I'm like, but I've been trained my whole life not to say this word, you know? And it's really funny when you have to even like retrain your, your language. Um, yeah. Um, Robert said 98% of people in the gay, in the anti-gay church know and care about their GLBT friends. Yes. And what we need to do is build on that, build on those feelings and help them see like love wins in the end. 
Lucky says, hey, hey, Lucky. Um, here's one from Beth. Beth was security guard back at Heritage for me and my sister. My therapist told me, sin is whatever hurts yourself or others. That's why Jesus told us to love. If we truly love, we don't hurt. I mean, it does boil down to that. You know, that's why I always think people were so drawn to my mother is because her message was, Jesus loves you. You know, God doesn't make any junk. You know, we're all made out of the same old dirt. You know, that kind of story, that kind of simple theology, um, is the foundation of the theology that I speak of, the theology that Dr. King spoke of, you know, the theology of, uh, I mean, there's other things that come from that ground that King spoke of, but a lot of that, when you get down to the basics, that's where it sprang from. That's why I was like, when we did the Beatitudes, if you, we did love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, why I did that last week was because it's so close to the Beatitudes and everybody loves the Beatitudes, but sometimes we forget right next to the Beatitudes, the same talk, Jesus is saying, I want you to love those who persecute you. I want you to pray for them. I love to pray for them because it's kind of like loving from a distance, which I think is very important for a lot of us because it takes time to get to the right place. It takes years sometimes. I told somebody the other day, I'm like, I did not feel at peace with myself until I was like 43, 44. I'm 45 now. Like, I just didn't feel like me. It's taken me that many years to be comfortable with me. And I'm still sometimes not comfortable with me, but to get to a place where at least I'm like, that's just a thought. That's just an idea. But it took a lot of therapy. It took a lot of life experiences to get to that place where I'm like, I've got to be me. You know, my mom said in this book called I Gotta Be Me. And I didn't realize how powerful that term was until I realized, oh, I really do have to be me. And I really do have to express things and share things and argue with people sometimes and push back and, 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 and be okay in my truth, you know, to find peace, you know, because life is, is full of suffering. Life is mostly suffering, I'd argue. But those things that took time. So that's why I'm saying is like, praying from afar, loving your enemies or loving your enemies and just saying like, I'm going to pray for them or send them good vibes or think positive thoughts or whatever. Um, it takes time to get to the place where we're communicating with each other. Where that, where that pay, you know, there's certain people that if I had to meet right now, there would be like a fire would go off inside of me and I wouldn't know how to, you know, I still have people in my life who I like get around and I start acting different and saying different things because it, it makes me so nervous because my anger and my hurt and my pain, you know, so it takes time. And I think that's why patience is a fruit of the spirit, you know, because not only do we have to be patient with ourselves, we have to be patient with others who are going through that same journey. You know, um, we've got to this point where we expect everybody to be in the right place now. Like, oh, yeah, just do all that brainwashing that was done to you. We need you to just correct that right now. And that's not fair. And I think that's another reason to love the sinner, love people in systems that need to be broken down. Sometimes those systems are so deep within they have to unlearn. They have to be deprogrammed of everything that was in their head because they've been told, no, this is right and that is wrong. You know, I've seen so many people who went through like the purity movement and have such issues built around sex and they're just, you know, not even there, not even Christians anymore and still are afraid of sex and having a hard time connecting with, with their partners because it was so put in their head. And, you know, a lot of people have to go to therapy and things like that to get that taken care of because it takes time. But that's the thing about humanity is we don't all arrive. We don't, it all doesn't happen overnight. And, and anybody who gives you any movie or thing, you know, remember, those are just a lot of times fiction or their stories crammed into two hours that it's taken a lifetime to get to the right place. And sometimes we don't even get to that place. But maybe we get close. 
Thanks a lot, everybody. Hey, listen, one of the things we did this week and this Wednesday, I'm not sure if it's this Wednesday or not, because uh, Caleb decides which Meet Your Congregations go out. But I did a uh, Meet Your Congregation, which is our other podcast, where we talk to you guys in the congregation. And if you go on Instagram and DM Revolution Church and say, hey, I want to be on Meet Your Congregation because we want people to know about you. We want you guys to know each other. But one of the things we ask is what could we do differently? If there's anything you you know you as a member would, would like to see from Revolution. And so when Steve came on, Steve said, you guys should maybe raise more money because right now Revolution doesn't have a lot of outreach or anything like that. Um, we're barely getting by. And he's like, you should be more comfortable talking about finances. And I'm not great about talking about finances because you'll probably see a movie where my dad asked people to double their their donations and all this stuff. And, you know, he had built a monster and then had to feed that monster. And so, of course, I'm really shy about asking it for finances. But you know what? We do need your support. I can't promise you that you'll be happy or rich if you give money. I won't do that. I believe there's something to sowing and reaping. Um, but I don't have a big theological ground in it because I've kind of always walked around like, oh, I would really love to do this. If we just, if it had commercials, then I wouldn't have to do this. But unfortunately, to keep our 501c3, we can't have commercials or sell you anything. Um, so this church will do more with your support and can do more with your support. Uh, and it would be nice to be able to breathe easy and pay the rent, to be honest with you, um, and pay our bills on time, which we don't always do. Um, but we, we work really hard to do that. So, um, and we're also going to start developing some programs that you can, you know, like, Oh, I want to take this class on Tillich, you know, and we'll do a cost for that and do different things like that. So we can kind of provide something, um, for your, for your, uh, donations as well. So anyway, we really could use that. That's today's not the biggest fundraising thing I've ever done, but we could use your support as this church. And we would really like to see Caleb come on board and be able to pay Caleb. Caleb's been volunteering for three years now. Um, and we'd love to do that. Um, we're not against getting jobs if we have to, but we'd love to build a, a church. And we'd like to have a building. We'd like to have a place where community can come together. And we'd like to have a really cool community where we continue to do this and continue to speak to you guys online every week. And uh, we only can do that with your help and your support. And we really are grateful for that. And a lot of you do that, and that's why I'm able to do this. So thank you for allowing me to live a passion and a purpose and then share this time with you. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.